just grab a mic from someone who's got one. Did Kylie take it somewhere? Or did I, did I, I put it down? Yep. <laughs> Never mind me. Um, and if we can just put the podcast on. Yep. Welcome to those who are listening on the podcast as well or watching online. Thanks, Dan, for reading for us. No worries. So I'm reading from the book of Mark, chapter 5, verse 21 to 43. Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake, where a large crowd had gathered around him on the shore. When the leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived, he saw Jesus. He fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so she can live. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd who had suffered from 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay for them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus as she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. While he was still speaking with her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go with him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed, the crowd laughed at him, but he made them all leave. And he took the girl's father and mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha, koum, which means little girl, get up. The girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict, in, strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And then he told them to give her something to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So it's actually the Billabong's birthday today. Traditionally, we have celebrated the Billabong's birthday on Pentecost Sunday. Uh, it's also the birthday of the church, of course. Um, and it just, I was just reminded, actually, of a story um, that of the time before I was at the Billabong where um, Mark said he, he was preaching and he said, it must have been a fantastic sermon because there was tears in people's eyes and it was like the Spirit of God had moved upon them. And I think it might have been you, Marty, that he said to, um, you know, oh, you know, great, you know, seems like God was moving and you said, no, 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 the glare was just so bad at the back of the tent. <laughs> I just want maybe a little bit of a taste of that this morning as the sun peeps through the clouds. 
but yes, it's the Billabong's birthday today, and in a year from today, we're going to actually have the chance to celebrate um, a very, very special one, 20 years uh, of the Billabong. It'll actually be about 20 years from the Canning Vale Faith Community of the 1st of February, but then we celebrated at Pentecost. But anyway, it'll be our 20th birthday next year, and uh, really looking forward to that. Um, last week, I, I started uh, my message um, by, by praying that our, our faith would be expanded just a little bit, um, that God would, would, would um, expand our faith in our minds. And, and this, in today's passage that we just read, is what Jesus commands, um, but it's also what he commends, is, is this, this faith that they have. Uh, he exercises, in the passage we've read today, an unprecedented power and authority, um, even more of a step up from last week, if that was even possible, where he calmed the wind and the waves and he cast out this legion of demons. In the passage today, then, it's even beyond that where Jesus actually raises the dead. And uh, we see him, though, starting to really highlight the importance of our response to his power, not just his authority and power. And that, our response, is faith. What do we do... Those of us who are not Jesus, what do we believe that he can do, that he can really do? And, and, and what do we, who do we believe that he really is? It's a question we want to, want to ask today. What uh, we can see with our own eyes, we can believe. I can believe that Rachel is sitting in front of me and Liam is sitting in front of me because I can see it. Um, I can see them. Uh, we can even believe that that large tree over there came from a seed. Now, we didn't see the seed planted, but we've seen enough evidence to know that this is the way trees grow. A seed is planted at some point, and it grows and grows, and, it, and, it, and at some point, it will, uh, if we look after it, it will grow even larger. And yes, the tree is over there, that is over there is here to stay in, in this room as an ongoing visual reminder for us. Uh, if you weren't here last week, you can listen to the podcast. Uh, but as an ongoing visual reminder for us that from kingdom seeds come kingdom trees. But there's a, there's a key ingredient to growth and produce and fruit when it comes to the spiritual realm, and that's faith. Because we can't see the large tree-sized expressions of the kingdom of God on earth right now. It's difficult for us to see that. We just see what we see of what God's doing. Uh, all we really have is a promise that God will pour out his spirit, uh, a prayer that Jesus taught us to pray that says, your kingdom come, your will be done, and we have faith to believe that, uh, even faith as small as a mustard seed, to believe that a God-sized vision is possible. Um, today what I want to do is actually share a little more briefly than, than usual and, and then give us a little more time than usual to pray uh, as a church family together to worship God, to let the Spirit of God um, just increase and expand and grow our faith a little bit. Um, Just to grow our faith in what he might be able to do and wants to do in our time and in our place. Hebrews 11 says this, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Almost sounds like that's impossible. Well, yes, the conviction of things not seen. Uh, so I want to pray that God would give us that assurance today and that conviction that things that we can't see in the spiritual 
in particular are indeed possible through God. So let's pray and, uh, and we'll have a think about this passage we've just read from Mark 5. Father, thank you so much for, first of all, your presence in this room this morning. Lord, you have promised that where your people gather together, you will be among us, you'll be with us. And you've promised that those who trust in Jesus, you would fill with your very presence, your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that on this Pentecost Sunday, we remember that, we recognize that, we celebrate that, that you have filled believers in Jesus with your very spirit, with your very presence, and you're transforming us, sanctifying us from the inside out. This morning, as we engage with the scripture we've just read, would you enlarge our hearts, would you enlarge our minds, would you expand our faith as we put our trust in you, Lord Jesus. And we pray this morning especially, come Holy Spirit, come and move among us, come and have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the account we read today I find fascinating because after controlling the wind and waves, this is the passage we read last, read last week, after controlling the wind and waves and controlling the most substantial demonic power that we've seen so far in the Gospel of Mark, we, we might be kind of thinking, well, what can't Jesus do? This is the most ex- extreme expression of his power. And yet raising a young girl from the dead that we read in today's passage, it still trumps those things. But it's the interaction actually with the woman with the blood condition that really makes uh, that really stands out in this passage, I think. You've got Jairus, just if you tuned out while we were reading the passage, Jairus says, Jesus, can you please come and heal my daughter? Jairus is a synagogue leader. Uh, and Jesus said, yep, that's cool, let's go. And on the way, this woman with a terrible blood condition uh, tries to touch Jesus so that his power will heal her and sort of interrupts the journey towards Jairus' house. The woman who reaches out for Jesus was not just sick. Her condition, her blood condition, meant physical, social, and religious isolation. She was, in every sense in that culture, unclean because of her condition. She wasn't just a bit sick. Even a, a healthy woman in those days, in that culture, was not to be touched when menstruating, and this woman, for this woman, was far worse, and it was all the time. She was cast out, really. And so, um, as I thought about this, I thought, well, you may remember a few months ago, um, uh, I used this video from the, from, uh, which talked about, in the book of Isaiah, this hot coal representing the presence of God uh, came and um, touched uh, the lips of Isaiah, and this, this purity. This, this coal that represented God's purity and holiness and the intensity of his goodness. Um, whilst you would think it would destroy the unclean one, it actually the purity was transferred to Isaiah and God's holiness made him clean and made him holy. And this woman seems to believe that this could happen for her. She seemed to believe that just the touch of this, this holy, pure man, Jesus, just a touch of him, could result in a transfer of that purity and cleanness and holiness to her because that's what she needs, and that does happen. But her faith and reaching out, it does something else. It actually stops Jesus in his tracks, makes him go, well, who touched me? Who had? He senses that someone had believed that he had a purifying power in him, in his body. And that, that person had acted on that belief. That's why I asked, well, who, who is this? Who Because everyone else is just bumping shoulders with him. Who really has had faith here? 
And he asked, who is it? She admits it was her. And then I believe that what this does then is allows a second healing to happen for her. She's been healed of her condition now, but something else happened. See, she had faith in Jesus' power to heal his, her physical condition. She had that faith. But she assumed because of her social religious status that he would reject her due to her being an outcast, due to her being unclean. She assumed he would, he would reject her, he would turn her, he would not accept her. And yet he says these words. Daughter. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Not outcast, unclean, dirty woman. Your faith has healed you. Daughter, your faith has healed you. And I think that's, there's a second healing and transformation that takes place in her now. We can have faith in the power of Jesus to do incredible things, the miraculous, to work wonders, to move in power among his people and in our community and in our culture. But God wants us to know that what his heart is for us as well. He's not too busy to stop and engage with us and look us in the eye, even if we feel unworthy. Now, some of you may feel this way. I know I feel this way quite often, that feeling like, you know what, I know God can do anything. I know he's powerful. I know he can work amazing things, but I'm not worthy of coming before him. I'm not worthy of asking him to do something so big. I'm not pure enough. So maybe if I just get a little touch of his robe, maybe if I just get a little taste of his presence, maybe if I just have a prayer from one of his more mature believers over my life, maybe if I just gather with some more special Christians and the power of their worship will be a little bit transformed, maybe if I just get a touch of Jesus, maybe if I just kind of reach out and get a taste of his presence. And I think that for those of us who feel that way sometimes, believe in his power but we don't feel worthy, that he would want to say to you and I today, hey, 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 I want to look you in the eye. Yes, you believe in what I can do, but I'm pleased to do it. I want to call you my child. I want to call you my friend because I love you. And so if that's you, if you kind of a little bit like the woman in that way, I pray that our, our time of worship this morning when we just sing a few songs and spend a bit of time to pray, uh, I hope that that time will be a time where the presence of God washes over you, not in some huge powerful way, but just in a way that you know that you know you're clean, you're made pure by him. He loves you. He wants to be with you in this moment. And then he calls you friend. That is powerful. It may just not be in, in some miraculous healing or something like that that you would know the love of God in a new and a fresh way. That's the woman. Jairus and his friends, the other characters in the story, actually, I think, display the opposite of the woman with the blood condition. It's the flip. It's the, the inverse. Jairus is the leader in a local synagogue. So there's nothing unclean about him to them in that culture, in that religious uh, setting. He, he's got the social status, he's got the religious status, he has the faith, he's seen what Jesus can do, and he knows that he needs that. He knows he needs Jesus for his sick daughter. And he's not shy to ask. He's not, oh, I'm unworthy before you. He's, he's a leader in, the, in the, the synagogue. 
He comes before Jesus. Jesus respects his request and says, okay, let's go. Let's make our way to your house. But the delay means that it becomes uh, too late. His daughter dies. And then we read that the messengers arrive from Jairus' house and say this, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. It's too late. And it seems that what happens is Jesus immediately senses what is about to happen, what's going on in his mind. This man is clean. He is righteous. He loves God. He even trusts Jesus. No issues there. Nothing between him, nothing you know, getting in the way of his status as in between God and with others. But his faith in the power that Jesus really has is about to fall short a little bit. Jairus, there's no point troubling Jesus now. There's no point. It's too late. This is too big for him. It's the opposite of the woman. She believed that an incurable condition, remembering they said she'd gone to all of the doctors and they had no idea. It was incurable. She believed that an incurable condition was no match for the power of Jesus, but thought that she'd be judged and rejected by him. But Jairus and his companions had no issue looking in, the eye, in Jesus in the eye, yet they were in danger of limiting his power. They didn't believe Jesus was powerful enough. And so Jesus jumps in and he says to Jairus, hey, 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 listen, don't be afraid, just have faith. And so maybe this is you today, not quite like the woman, but a bit like Jairus and his friends. You know that God loves you. It's not an issue. You know that through the blood of Jesus, you have been made worthy of the love of God, that you've been reconciled with God. God loves you. You can come before Jesus and talk to him as a friend. But you doubt what he can really do or will really do in your life or the lives of others or the life of this community or whatever it may be. Maybe it's uh, a belief that he probably could do a miracle in your life, but he's just kind of not a God that intervenes. He doesn't like to do that. Maybe it's that belief. Or maybe it's a self-preservation thing where you're like, you know what, if I start to believe that this is possible, this thing that is just a dream in my mind, but then God doesn't do it, then it's going to hurt even more. Self-preservation kind of thing. I have long periods of time like that sometimes where, you know, I mean, I was thinking back to this in recent weeks where I've believed and just dreamt about God moving in power among his people since I became a Christian in my late teenage years, just going, God, you could do something amazing. You are able. And at times I've seen glimpses of that where God just pours out his power and his love and his grace. The spirit of God is at work in the people in my life, in the people around me. Uh, But then after a while, things just don't seem to be happening and it doesn't, prayers just don't seem to be answered. And there's voices in my head and externally that start to be seeming to say, look, there's no point bothering Jesus now. That ship sailed. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Don't bother Jesus anymore. That person's not going to come to Christ. That person's never going to be healed. That community's never going to see revival. That church, that group of people, that that 
culture is never going to be transformed and come closer to the power of Jesus and fully submit. It's, it's just not going to happen. But Jesus, he overhears those voices that go, don't, don't, bother. don't bother Jesus anymore. Don't bother Jesus anymore. Just like Jesus overhears the messengers from Jairus' house. And Jesus steps in. He cuts in and he says, hey, 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 look me in the eye again. Don't be afraid. Just have faith. And maybe that's, that's where you're at today, is that you're a bit more like Jairus, sort of saying, you know what, you need Jesus to interrupt the other voices that you're hearing and say, and for Jesus to say, hey, I'm still able. You just have faith. On the screen, there's a slide we've used regularly. Uh, Jesus uh, reveals to us the God who is both our Father, who loves us, Unconditionally, this is who God is and who the woman with the blood condition needed to know this is who God is that Jesus reveals. Um, but, Jesus, but God is also the king, the lord, the ruler over all the universe. He's the king over every atom, everything seen and everything unseen. And so I want to ask, what is your faith being squashed by today? What, what is it that's meaning that your faith is just not quite there that where Jesus would want to say, hey, just have faith, continue to have faith. Do you believe that he's all-powerful? He can do anything. But you struggle to look him in the eye because you don't feel worthy. You struggle to believe that he loves you and that he wants to answer your prayers, that he wants to be with you. Or do you know that he loves you? You know he's your father. You know that he wants to be with you but you doubt that he could or would exercise his power in miracles and transformation of people and communities like we've never seen before. Is it a case that you go, you know, I believed up until this point, but it's too late now. There's no point bothering Jesus. As we spend time in, in worship and, and prayer this morning, my prayer is that we allow the Holy Spirit, the presence of God to just come and fill this place, to fill our hearts, to wait for the Holy Spirit to, to come and minister to us, just like at that first Pentecost, to show us the love of the Father and, and the wonder-working power of the King of Kings, the beautiful grace and love and friendship of Father God and the power of Jesus our King. That is what Jesus' followers were told to do after he ascended, to wait for the Holy Spirit to come, just to wait, just to gather together in one place, just to pray and to wait. And the Spirit came at that first Pentecost, which we celebrate today. What we're going to do is, um, is just sing some songs, and in between those songs, uh, pray. Our ministry team, um, I'm just going to get them to wave to you, is uh, Lauren and Teresa. Uh, could you just... Wave to us, Teresa, so we know who you are. Teresa, I'm just going to get you to come over and join Lauren on that side. And then John and um, Aaron are over on that side. So if you would like to pray with somebody as we're singing away, just over in one of the, the two ends of the room, um, they would love to pray with you. You might just say, you know what, I just, I, just need, I just need to know God loves me. Can you pray for me? It might be as simple as that. Or there might be something specific you'd love them to pray for. They would love to do that for you. Um, but the five of us are also going to just be 
spending this time as we sing and pray, listening to God and going, God, is there anything that you want to say to us this morning? Is there anything that you, is there any scripture that maybe just needs, we need to hear as a community this morning? Um, and we'll share that if, if that's the case. If, you, if there's anything you feel God puts on your heart to share with us, then come talk to one of, the, one of us and we'll, we'll give you the microphone. Uh, and, and likewise, if you just want to pray for us this morning, come talk to either um, Lauren and Teresa at this side or Aaron and John over this side, and um, they'll later grab the mic in between one of the songs and, um, and pray for us. I think what we're going to do is, at least for a little while, we're just going to sit. And, um, you know, you, you might want to stand. You might want to go to one of the corners and walk around, jump up and down, do hand. No, no, maybe not. Um, but whatever is comfortable for you just to be in God's presence this morning, to sing these songs of worship, to pray, to connect with God. Um, and I guess before we do that, I want to say that if you are not a follower of Jesus, but you sense that God is drawing you close to the heart of the Father, then the only, all that is required is for you to say, God, I give my life to you, I ask for your forgiveness, and I ask that you would fill me with your spirit. And again, one of the, the four uh, or five of us would love to pray that with you if that's where you're at this morning. Um, so let's pray, and then we will sing and pray together. Father, thank you so much that you are already here. We don't have to, to pray harder and strive more to get you to come, but Lord, we know that you are present with us right now. Even still, Lord, we don't just want to experience your omnipresence, that you are just here and everywhere as you always are. We want to experience your manifest presence. We want to just know that you are speaking directly to us this morning, speaking your love over us, speaking your grace over us, showing us who you really are and what you really feel about us. Lord, I pray that whether we struggle to believe we're worthy for you to be our Father or whether we struggle to believe that you are really the powerful King of Kings, that you would expand and grow our faith this morning and that the presence of the Holy Spirit would be uh, our, our minister, our pastor this morning in this space. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, team. If you want to lead, it in, lead us in... Uh...